Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm delighted to say I'm here with Deb Dana. She is a clinician, a consultant, a multiple author. There's a great long list of uh, the books that uh, you've written, Deb, on Amazon. And a pioneer in applying polyvagal theory, which we'll get into for those who haven't uh, heard of that term before, uh, to the clinical setting. Uh, and uh, I am now uh, possessing of a basic understanding of what poly polyvagal theory is, having done some reading over the weekend. I can't wait to get into this. There's, I think there's a ton of application, as we were saying off air, not just in the therapeutic context, but in our day-to-day -day interactions as mums, as dads, as business people, whatever it might be. Uh, I think uh, this just provides us with an access to understanding who we are as as humans in a in a way that you know is not familiar wasn't familiar to me previously and so i can't wait to get into this uh, thank you for joining deb well i i love being here and i actually love the name of your podcast being human because and i love that we're going to talk polyvagal because polyvagal really helps us understand the ways we are human and how we can navigate being human in way in a way that brings perhaps more more grace more ease more regulation, more kindness—all of those those things that we're we're striving for in our daily lives. Yeah, absolutely. So, Deb, could you give us a bit of background, like all the way back? I love to go. Right, when did you first start to get, you know, perhaps an interest in how we tick, and you know, and what led you to ultimately becoming a therapist? And then, and then we can we can move on into polyvagal therapy. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it's, I'm, I'm now 70. So it's been a long time to go back there and, and think I did an undergraduate in, in social welfare. So, you know, from a very young age, I knew I wanted to be in a helping professional of some sort. Um, I, lean towards social work because social work is a systems way of looking at things. And I've always thought we are, we are a system, we are part of systems, and systems are the way to, to begin to um, see ourselves and see where we might make a change and how that small change we make then impacts um, everything around us. So that led me to um, working in schools and doing all sorts of different kinds of things until my children, um, my last one left home to go to, to go to college, and I was on my own and I thought, okay, now's, now's the time. I went back and got my master's in social work. And that's when I really dove into um, clinical practice. I'd been doing more um, general systems work in organizations before that. So, yeah. And, and so that was, that was, that was, I was 50 when I did that. So, you know, okay. it's that second career knowing, okay, now's my time. And, and when I did that, um, I um, have always been a neuroscience nerd. So I've always wondered how things work. Um, and so I, you know, studied the brain. Um, I was lucky enough to go into a histology lab with a bunch of other clinicians and get to um, dissect human brains, which was fascinating. I was going to ask, what is histology? That's, histology that's... lab is, is a lab where, where um, um, cadavers or parts of cadaver, this one was, was a brain, had brains, um, were stored, were, 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 um, held so that people could dissect and see what's going on inside a brain. So it was fascinating. And I say that to people and some people go, oh, no. And other people go, yes. Right. I'm one of those that goes, yes. So I, I knew that. And then, you know, I always taught my clients um, what, how their brain worked, because I think it's really important for us to understand how our biology functions. 
So, you know, as I was doing that, I was getting trained in internal family systems and, and um, um, sensory motor psychotherapy. I did the um, Bessel's trauma um, certificate at the Trauma Foundation. So I was doing all of this stuff. And then I stumbled on Steve Borges's polyvagal theory. And it was like, oh, a light bulb went off. It was a missing piece of a puzzle for me. And so um, I reached out to Steve, who back then, this was 2000, what, 2011 maybe. And back then, you could just email people and they would say, oh, nice to meet you, right? <laughs> you know. So I emailed Steve and I said, you know, fascinated, would you like to come to Maine, which is where I lived at the time, and, and do a couple day presentation for my colleagues? He said, sure. I mean, who doesn't want to come? to Kennebunkport, Maine in the summer when it's gorgeous. So he and his wife, Sue <laughs> Carter, came and they did a beautiful um, two-day presentation for us. And I had already started playing around with how to translate his wonderful science into clinical application. And so, you know, we played around with what I was doing. And he was, he was he's a lovely human. If you haven't listened to him or met him, try to do that. He's humble okay. and brilliant and all of those things. And he was very supportive. He said, I like what you're doing. Keep, keep keep doing it. And, and so, you know, I like to say our nervous systems met and decided we were a match. Right. Right. So, you know, and from there, look where we are now, you know, it's, it's quite amazing to me to think that, that, you know, it was a life changing experience really for me reading his first book and, and um, beginning to understand the nervous system. And it's taken me on this journey to translate his brilliant work into clinical application and then beyond into, you know, everyday human experience. Because as you said, we all have a nervous system, right? And we're yep. always engaging with our own nervous system and with other people's nervous systems. You can't get away from that. So I think we might as well understand how they work and understand how we can best come into connection with others, be grounded in our own system, be anchored in regulation, and then offer that to others because the world um, is a safer, um, kinder place when we are in that place of regulation. Right, right, right. Now, this term polyvagal and, the, and uh, it's related obviously to the, the vagus nerve, I, but maybe we should start there to just lay out what we mean by a nervous system and then where does this vagus nerve come into play and, and then what does polyvagal sure. mean? Sure, yeah. So the, the autonomic nervous system is made up of the parasympathetic and sympathetic branches, right? And, and until Steve's creation or development of polyvagal theory, we thought it was just these two and they were, you know, a balanced system. One was on, one was off. We went back and forth like on a, on a seesaw. But what Steve discovered And is, for people who are not familiar with with just the, that basics, what, what do we mean by sympathetic and parasympathetic? So, so sympathetic nervous system is the part of your autonomic nervous system that brings you fight and flight, which everybody kind of knows that survival strategy. When we're, when we're in danger, we run or we fight, right? Parasympathetic nervous system in the old way of thinking about it was called the rest and digest system. So we had this, this survival strategy of fight and flight, or we were in rest and digest. It was one or the other. So Steve's work really identified that, in fact, we have two branches of parasympathetic, two branches of the vagus, hence polyvagal. One does help us be regulated and, and move into that place of connection and safety, rest and digest, so to speak. And the other 
in its survival strategy takes us to disconnect, collapse, disappear, shut down. And it was right. that sort of understanding that helped all of us trauma therapists understand our clients differently because not every client has that fight and flight response, right? Some clients have the shutdown, collapse, disappear response. We had no way of understanding that through the old way of understanding the biology of the nervous system. So it was a great gift to the therapy world to understand we have this other survival strategy as well. Yeah. And, and this is based on the, the biology uh, of the nerves themselves, right? So just talk us through, you know, how the vagus nerve yep, sure. works through the body and then where it sort of spreads out and so on. Sure. So, so, and we'll start, let's just start by getting the sympathetic nervous system out of the yep. way. That is yep. the spinal nerve system. So it exits the, the mid part of your back, right? The thoracic and lumbar regions. It exits the spinal, the sympathetic chain that runs down either side of your spinal cord. So that's a, that's a totally different system, but together with these two vagal systems, it creates the autonomic nervous system. So we have right. these things all coming together. The vagus nerve is a cranial nerve system. It exits your, your, your brainstem, right? So very different in the way it's created, but works together with sympathetic. So it exits your brainstem, and then we might think of it as, as a whole bundle of nerves. The vagus is, a, is not one nerve, a bundle of nerves. And so if you think about a, an electric wire that's covered, when you open it up, you see lots of different wires inside. That's like the vagus, right? So right. as it exits the brainstem, it goes to all sorts of places above the diaphragm. That's the ventral aspect. And it goes to lots of places below the diaphragm, including your digestive system. That's the dorsal circuit. So it's this, this one bundle of nerves that then exits in very different places in many, many, many organs. It impacts many organs in our body. So that's, that's why it's, you know, called polyvagal, the two vagal branches. Right. And the ventral means front and that's, that's yeah. above the diagram up top. Well, it's interesting and because why it was named ventral and dorsal is because in your brainstem, in your medulla actually is where the vagus begins. And the first part, the dorsal vagus, the nucleus of the dorsal vagus emerges first as we're growing in the womb, right? Right. And then later on, many weeks later, the ventral vagus nucleus emerges in front of the dorsal okay. nucleus. So that's really why it's ventral and dorsal, which is fascinating, isn't it? So our, yeah. our nervous system develops in utero the same way it developed evolutionarily. Dorsal first, yeah. then sympathetic, and finally ventral. Right. Okay. 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 And so, and uh, but and Vegas has its roots in you know vagabond and vagrant, right? They're, they're the same. Wanderer. They have the same roots. Yes. Wandering. Yeah. Yes. So, so it wanders all over the body. It right? does. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So this autonomic nervous system and autonomy means it, it's going on without our conscious direction it's, right? it's, it's automatic it, it works automatically yeah. in the background and we can also um work with it so thank goodness it does all its work in the background i don't want to have to remember to breathe every few seconds i don't want to have to make my heart beat i don't want to have to digest my food i want that to happen and i also want to be able to come to, to come to calm I want to be able to mobilize to run. I want to be able to do these things um, 
um, because I because I need to in the moment, or because I want to in the moment, not just have them working on in the background by themselves. So that's the beauty of polyvagal theory is that it helps us understand how it works so we can work with it. Mm. And it's the main premise then of the theory is that we're one of these is dominant at any one time. Is that right? Yeah, yes. And all three are always there. Ventral, sympathetic, dorsal are always active in your system. And I think that what the way I like to think about it is um, the one that has the greatest percentage of activity at any moment is the system that is leading the way, right? I, I, you're a business guy. You probably use pie charts, right? I yeah. do pie charts all the time. And if I divide my pie chart into sympathetic, dorsal, ventral, whichever is the biggest slice of the pie is the one that, that I'm under the influence of in that moment. But there are the other two slices of the pie that are also, you know, at work in my system. So just because I'm in ventral doesn't mean sympathetic and dorsal. And actually what it does mean for ventral, if I'm anchored in ventral and regulation and connection and feeling safe as I'm moving through the world, sympathetic does an everyday function of bringing me energy in, in a healthy way. And right. dorsal has an everyday function of regulating my digestion. So when I'm in ventral, all three states are working beautifully together. If sympathetic has overtaken my system because it feels I'm in danger, ventral is still there, but it's in the background and it's not regulating me anymore. And, and for, for dorsal, my digestion is now out of regulation, right? Right. And then in dorsal, if I, if I end up in dorsal, because we go to sympathetic first, right? It's a hierarchy. Ventral's the top. Sympathetic's the next place we go if we need a survival strategy. If that doesn't work, we go to dorsal survival strategy, which is shut down, collapse, right? And so all of that amazing, chaotic, you know, jumble of energy and sympathetic that drives me has now drained from my system. And I'm in dorsal where I have no energy to do anything. I'm in collapse, right? So, so that's, the, that's the basic hierarchy in the way it, the way it works. Yeah, yeah. And it, this doesn't necessarily mean that it's some immediate physical threat that will have us trigger into sy sympathetic, right? It could be as simple as we start comparing ourselves, someone in our mind in a social yeah. situation, and yeah. now we're in. Yes. And so yeah, just sort of yeah. illustrate a bit of the, the sort of type states that might characterize us being in, yeah. in, in any one of those. Yeah. And com comparison is something we humans do all the time, right? Mm. And, and we have... We have that downward comparison where I have to be better than everybody else or I'm or I'm or I'm something bad will happen. And that brings that sympathetic anxiety or anger or drivenness that we see so often in people. You you find that in business a lot. People are driven, 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 but they can never be nourished by it. They never they seek but are never satisfied. Right. We're, yeah. we're, we're that workaholic. I can't stop. I, 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 I have to cre create lists. If you're a list maker, you know, maybe you're a list maker because you're anxious. That's a sympathetic response, right? And then we have an upward comparison, which is the dorsal experience of, you know, I'll never measure up to anyone else, which happens all the time too. It takes us to hopelessness, to despair. Right. Mm. We also have a compare when we're in ventral, which is a healthy compare, which is like, oh, I can be curious about how you you do things and how I do things. That's the that's where we're we're heading for. We would like to be there, right? 
but these other, but comparison is, is cause we humans are comparing creatures. We do that all the time. It's a normal part of our, of our world. It's just, if you are in a survival compare, then you're not functioning that well, because as soon as you leave ventral and go to sympathetic and then dorsal, your thinking part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex goes into hypoactive mode and it no longer helps you in the way you need. You can't problem solve and plan and find options in the way you can when you're in ventral regulation. So comparison is one anxiety about having um, too much to do and not enough time to do it. Or having, um, if you're running a business and you can't find enough employees or you are an employee and, and the organization doesn't provide enough help, right? These are all the ways that, that you know, teachers who, who are um, trying to work in really difficult situations with, you know, 30 nervous systems in a class. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and how the heck do you, do you find that? Right. How do you, how do you take care yeah. of that? So there, there are all sorts of ways, you know, tra traffic, trying to get to work and you get stuck in traffic, simple things, going to the grocery store and forgetting your list. There are all sort of ways that, that our nervous system then helps us meet the, the, the challenge by bringing us some of that survival energy. And the thing that, that we can do as humans is we can, work with our system so that we stay in regulation um, longer. We, we, you know, we, we measure in frequency, intensity, and duration. So we will less frequently get dysregulated. There'll be a less intensity around the dysregulation, and it'll la not last as long. That's how we're trying to, to measure change in the nervous system, right? But if, yeah. you're, a, if you're a trauma survivor... Or even if you are, you know, in a moment in your life when you're feeling overwhelmed, your nervous system is more sensitive to dysregulation and it doesn't have to be any big thing. Your resilience is low. Something comes at you, right? You've got, you know, three cars all looking for the same parking spot and you totally dissolve, right? Or, you know, someone, you know, sends you an email, I need this by the end of the day and, and you just, you can't manage it. Right. So it doesn't have to be a, a true danger to my being, but my nervous system, neuroceps, neuroception is what Steve created as how the nervous system takes in information. That's the word neuroception. And so there's a neuroception of, of unsafety that happens. Right. And, and to talk just a minute about neuroception, neuroception has three pathways where it takes in information. It listens inside your body. So if you are not feeling well, your neuroception is one of unsafety and it can cause all of these survival energies to, to emerge. It listens into the environment. So if you think about the environment you're working in, if the environment feels um, disorganized, crowded, too quiet, in some way, not meeting your need for, for what helps you work, nervous system brings a survival response, right? And then it listens to the, the space between people. So it's listening, my nervous system's listening to your nervous system. And if you think about, about um, cultures in organizations, right, th there are, you know, Groups that feel very welcoming and safe and, and curious and, you know, supportive and all that. And then there are other groups, you walk into another group and it feels very different. 
Yeah. Right? And your nervous system picks that up and then is going to struggle to keep you in regulation if if the cue coming in is this does not feel like a safe place. Right. Mm. Right. And when you're talking about being in regulation, you mean you're in this ventral, you're you're dominated by ventral or your your yes. your part of the pie chart is yes. has the biggest chunk for ventral and then uh and in that place I'm I'm curious, I'm productive, I'm yep. engaging in pro-social behaviors, yes. I'm I'm looking for constructive solutions. Exactly. Yeah. And and when you talk about being dysregulated, you your you neurocept some some threat mm -hmm. and, and neuroception happens it precedes perception right this is happening before yes you know yeah we often don't even don't even notice yeah. neuroception we just move into a survival energy and a survival story right i mean i might mm -hmm. not even might not even have the the awareness the perception that i got these cues of danger i just go into a state of protection and then i i enter a story and that story becomes the truth, right? Because the brain, the brain's job is to take the information that comes from the body, and eighty percent of the information comes, you know, from body to brain, right? From the nervous system, body to brain. The brain's job is to make a story that makes some kind of sense of that, and the story is usually one of of being in danger and um, being in a, you know, a bad place, and, and I'm not wanted, I'm not welcome. All of those sort of stories that we just enter into, and then we believe. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We move right into protection, and we leave connection because when you leave ventral, it's not that you you want to enter into protection. It's not that you no longer want to be curious. Or want to be, you know, a team member and, and working collaboratively. It's that your biology no longer allows that to happen. So we want to be sure to remember that it's not, it's not my brain making a decision. It's my biology. Right. So it's not yeah. a cognitive decision making. It's my physiology saying you can't do that. It's no longer safe. And when we look at other people, we want to be thinking about that. We're thinking, wow, they, they don't they don't want to be part of the team. If we could change that to, oh, I think they're dysregulated, it becomes a very different experience. Oh, or they're being an a-hole, or they're, uh -huh. they're not playing ball, or they're not... Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so it's rather... But what, being, another way to look about it is they've, they've moved into fight or flight. They've moved into their sympathetic. Or, or even they've moved into shutdown collapse, and we judge them as being bored or, or you know, not caring. Right. That's right. that's the label we put when really they're they are are so um, dysregulated they've gone into collapse. Right. No longer person. Yeah. It's easier to recognize the person who's sympathetically you know, angry or anxious. It's harder to recognize the dorsal collapse because we sometimes misinterpret that as bored or not caring. So we want to be curious about that. Mm. Uh, just what brings to mind is sometimes you'll see parents criticized um if there's been a death of a child oh that that mother she didn't show an empathy or that father it, it, yeah. it's just 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 popped into my head yeah. i wonder how much of that is somebody's really yeah. they're in dorsal collapse exactly. they're, they're just they're shut they're, they're, exactly you know, they're, because dorsal is you know the most extreme survival response it's the path of last mm -hmm. resort for your nervous system it takes you there and moves you it it has a, a analgesic numbing response so we don't it takes us out of out of being here when being here is too overwhelming right 
So again, we, we, we want to always, if we can stay in ventral weep, we can be curious about, I wonder what state that person is in before we make a judgment about them. Right, right, right. And um, the other thing I picked up in, in one of your books is that how a, often a tell of somebody who's moved into sympathetic from the ventral is they start jiggling, right? You start to see the, yeah, the physical can't, movement. Can't sit still, looking around, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to, to really see that. Again, we see that clearly. You know, you can see sympathetic. When it, when it gets to be too much. Sympathetic, the right degree of sympathetic when it's working with ventral, right? It's lovely because we move with, there, there's a rhythm to the movement. We can, we can go for a run. We can, you know, exercise all these things. When sympathetic becomes a survival strategy, the, 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 the rhythm's lost. Right, it's, uh, it's disorganized. You can see. So it's not that they're moving; it's that we sense it's not in keeping with the activity. Right, yeah, the, the yeah. jiggling is at one pace, and we're just having a yeah. priority conversation. It doesn't make sense. Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, that's yeah. That that would make sense. And then, like, when they've gone into dorsal, it's this person's checked out. They're yeah. not. Yeah. 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 It's usually an immobilization that happens there, and. You know, or a you know a, a sort of a, a blank look, or nothing nothing happening. You know, the 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 breath slows way down. With, with clients, with, with people in therapy, there's often the heads down and the shoulders are slumped. So, you know, it's a it's you can see it, but but you you can feel it. You're if you are if you're in a place of of regulation, if you're in ventral, and you come across someone who's in dorsal, if you're connecting with someone in that state, your nervous system will, will give you a message, right? If you listen to your nervous system, it's going to, it's going to um, feel their nervous system and, and give you a message, mm -hmm. ooh, something's not right, right? Rather yeah. than the, the sympathetic system when it activates is going gonna, is gonna to criticize the other person, right? But right. well, it's going to get the feeling, oh, some suffering is happening there, right? So right. our job to anchor in, in ventral as, as often we, as we can for as long as we can. And I do want to say nobody does that all the time. No human right. is regulated all the time, nor, nor is that an expectation. So, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Point yeah. that out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and this is the ladder you described, right? The, the yes. dorsal to sympathetic to ventral, and we, we traverse the, this ladder. Yes. Uh, so what are some of the ways then we can bring people up the ladder? Yeah, and that's, that's really the, the goal for all of us is to figure out our own ways to move okay. up the ladder and then stay in that place of, of regulation. And what interested me, and I think it came um, most clearly to mind when the pandemic started and I started getting all of these emails um, in my inbox, the five things to do to um, stay um, safe during or the seven things to, to connect with others. Or, and, I, and I was reading it and I thought, there must be something wrong with me because I, they don't fit for me. I don't want to go out on my porch and have, um, you know, cocktails with my neighbors at five o'clock. I don't want, it's not, does not appeal to me, right? Nothing was appealing to me. And I finally figured out what I was getting in my inbox was other people telling me what worked for their nervous system. 
right? And that led me to this place of helping everybody create their own menu, right? Because what works for you and works for me may be very different. We have general categories that we can look at, like um, movement is a category. Ways of moving can help you begin to bring some energy back to your body if you're in dorsal. Gentle movement, small movement, right? If you if you come across someone who's in a dorsal collapse and say, "Well, just get up and go for a walk," right? It's like, no, no, the, the no, your brain is coming up with that, but the nervous system would say, you know, maybe just remember a moment when you had a beautiful walk, right? Before you try to do anything, bringing a memory back is a way of bringing some movement in. In sympathetic, you got a ton of energy, you got all this flood of energy, you got to organize it in some way, right? So maybe you do go for a run there. And in ventral, how do you, how do you move in a way that helps you really savor the experience? So movement is, is one category. I think music is a category, right? That people can, can find a way to, to, you know, be with music that helps them feel seen, heard, not alone, right? You know, in, in sympathetic, there are a lot of songs that have that sympathetic, you know, beat and, and the lyrics and everything. And you feel like, oh, I'm, I, yeah, somebody gets me, right? Yeah. And, you know, in dorsal, I, I, you know, I live in the States. We think about, you know, country Western music, the dorsal that, you know, my, my partner left me, my, you know, I'm, I've lost everything. It's, but, but, <laughs> but you can be with it in a different way, right? So, Creating, I have people create playlists, you know, the playlists that bring the music alive for you. I, I, so nature, nature is a is a wonderful. Regular. And just to just to touch on music there. So if I'm in dorsal, right, and you know, and I want to listen to you know, yeah, a country song and the dogs left, no. like, you know, yeah, right. all the rest. Of it. And uh, isn't that just going to like reinforce my state? How's that going to help me move up the ladder? Well, there, there's a love. There's lovely research on music that it has a paradoxical effect that we can be with um, dysregulated states, whether that's, you know, anger, anxiety, or collapse despair, and, and actually be with it, feel not alone, and actually enjoy it. That's what the research says about music. Don't you love that? Right? Yeah. And, and music I love because it's, if I've already created my playlist and I've had fun creating the playlist, right, then when I need it, I just push a button. Right? Mm. Because when I need a resource, there are moments when I can't think and I don't have the energy, but I can push a button because I've already done all the work before. And that's what I want people to do with their menus. Do your menu, pre-plan all your resources and have ones that are easy to reach for, like remembering or pushing a button and other ones that take a little more energy, like actually going out your front door and heading out of your, your house. We need a range of, of resources so that we, there's always something that could fit the moment. Right. Yeah. That, that, that just, I, I can immediately think of times when I've wanted something and I, and my head I've known, Oh, it'd be great to go for a walk there. That would really help, but it's just too much of a, yes, too much of a leap, but I'm just imagining now had I had a, yeah. a playlist right, yeah. that may have yeah. made a difference. Yeah. That. You know, nature is, is a wonderful, um, activator of, of ventral regulation, you know, so maybe you have, um, nature sounds, maybe you have nature out your window, maybe you get out into nature, maybe you have pictures of your favorite places. I mean, there are all sorts of ways to do this besides actually having to go out and, and go for mm. a walk. Right. So, you know, the, the, there, 
there's there are just so many ways, and people are so creative. Like if I asked you, what would be a, a resource you might might reach for? You're going to come up with something that I have no idea about. Like what would you reach for? What would be a resource you might reach for that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, favorite food. Yeah, a, 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 a cup of tea. <laughs> mm-hmm. A cup of tea could be one. Um, I mean, I've been getting into these like um, the, the yoga poses that you can yeah. just do sat down, right? There's, Beautiful. There's, 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 yeah. there's, the legs up the wall pose is one, oh. which is a bit of a stretch, right? Because you've got to actually move and put your legs up the wall. But um, that is a, a, yeah. does, does wonders yeah, for me. Yeah. And I love that um, one because you, it's not like it's still, you're still lying on the floor. Yeah. But you have the like, but it's all supported. So it's yeah. easy enough to reach for. That's beautiful. Yeah. See that, I, that's not on my list, but it might come, might move on to my list because that sounds good. Right. Yeah. You know, or like, just this one I quite like where you just, you know, the. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's when you could. That's like that. A you could reach, you could reach for that one, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, and I think the I think part of the fun is in creating your menu, and you create your menu when you don't need it, right? So you pre-plan, right? right? And sometimes, you know, I had clients who wanted um, um, my my voice, and so I would record a message for them on their phone. They could just push. Some clients wanted a, a card written that they could just, you know, grab a card, right? So there are all sorts of that, and that's in the the sort of connecting with others category. So how might you, you know, want to have resources to connect with others when you don't feel like you could actually, you know, email someone or call someone or be with someone, right? So there are other ways of doing that. And then, you know, I have a, a person in my life who, I have a couple of people actually who I can just send an emoji. And they know, okay. you know, we, we, we have the, we have this emoji sort of shorthand and they know when I'm, and they'll send me something back. That's right. doable for me. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, that makes sense. I don't even have to write a word out. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Right. And, and that brings a little bit of social connection, a bit of, right. And, exactly. and you talk about that, the, the social engagement. Yes. That's an important way to. Yes. Have us ascend the la- the ladder. Yeah, and and you know, social connection is so vital for for we humans, and it can feel overwhelming in dorsal, and in sympathetic, we can we can be driven to and 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 need need need, but not be able to to have that need met. So we want to find all sorts of ways, and people who we've you know had the conversation with. Like if I sent my you know dorsal emoji to people who had no idea of what I was doing, they would, they would not know how to respond. But I've yeah. had this conversation with a couple of close friends and they know when Deb says that emoji, she's just letting us know she's, you know, sort of in that disconnected, hopeless place and just doesn't want a lot back because that will overwhelm. So they just send yeah. me back a, a smiley face or something, right? Just I'm here. It's yeah. okay. Right. Cause in dorsal, we're very sensitive to to too much and sympathetic. We need someone to to show up and say, "Let me help you organize this crazy energy," right? Right. So it's very different what I need from from my you know my my resourcing people, and they need to know where I am so they know what to offer. 
Right. That's really important, isn't it? That just because we ourselves might be in ventral, and I've can I I, I can relate to this where there's been experiences where I've been feeling you know grounded and uh, and and really well regulated, and somebody around me is in full on sympathetic, and my first instinct is to say, "Just be grounded like me. Can't you just get some perspective and <laughs> right and." And just chill out. <laughs> yeah, and if if you try that, I imagine you've got a very different response than what you were thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I think we have to remember that, that, again, we do not have access to that beautiful grounding that you were talking about when we're in sympathetic. It's just, it's a, mm. that door is closed, right? So I need yeah. somebody to help me find a way to open that door again, which is not telling me, just be grounded or, you know. Just get over it. I mean, don't we say that so much? What's the yeah. big deal? Just get over it. Well, it may not mm. be a big deal to your nervous system, but to mine, it's a huge deal, right? Something goes wrong, and you know, I'm, you know, I, I, you know, forget to get the milk on the way home, and I have a meltdown when I get home, and you go, oh, it's no big deal. It's a big deal to my nervous system, yeah. right? And so, what what I need you to do is say, oh, I, I get how this is really challenging for you right now. What do you need? Right. Yeah. What do you need? Can I get you some milk? Or right. Can I go run a right. milk? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Match that. Match the. Meet me where I am. Don't yeah. don't assume. As soon as you assume that your system is giving you the information that my system should should have, then we're no longer in an autonomic conversation, which I think is where we need to be. Right. And whenever we, I just use the word should, is whenever we use the word should, we're not in a ventral state of regulation and curiosity should is not a curious word right no. yeah 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 that's a sympathetic it's like it is this action it yeah. is yeah yeah um and actually that may be what someone needs if they're in sympathetic sometimes right just well you should do this right maybe a bit of direction uh, or, yeah on, yeah i just wouldn't you should but yes i need you know let's try this what do you think it because right. the nervous system always needs an invitation not a demand. As okay. soon as it feels like a demand, you're going to get pushed more into survival. But an invitation, what do you think? Can we try this? I'll go with you. You know, what, those sort of things. Invitation, yes. Should do this is a demand and the nervous system will have a very different response. Yep. Yeah. And is there a time for direction then and, and, and should? Because I've definitely been in situations where some people have given me feedback and said, actually, Richard, I wish you'd have just given us a bit more direction in that context. Yes. And so that takes us to choice. And choice is so important for the nervous system. But the right amount of choice is what we're talking about. In ventral, I probably want to, let's do a big brainstorming and let's say, and you know, anything's on the table. In sympathetic, I need you to, to give me a, a, a concise menu. Right. Here here are like three right. options. Where do we go? Right. Or, or right. four or whatever. But I but not one, because one's not enough, but not unlimited. And in dorsal, I probably need you to be very, you know, kind and gentle and directive because I am totally lost. Right? Right. Totally lost. That's where I need you to say, we're going to do this and see what happens. Right. That makes so much sense. Yeah. That well, yeah. just from a business from a business context, when I've been in situations uh in a senior position and 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 i have had the feedback no we wanted you to be directive and i can see just as you described that those were situations where the people i was formally in charge of 
were feeling lost and yes. confused. Yes. And, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like when I'm in dorsal, you know, if somebody says, you know, what, what do you think would help you? It's like, why are you asking me that? I'm so gone. I couldn't possibly answer that question. Right. Right. But you say, you know, let's just try sitting together and feeling connected. Then you're offering me something. You're not saying, what do you think? Mm. My brain's not there. I can't think. Don't. But you're offering me like one thing I can say yes or no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we can just see what happens. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in sympathetic, I've got, I probably have a jumble of things going on, and I just need I need organization. So give right. me, we could do this, this, or this. What do you want to do first? Right, that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, again, as you say in 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 ventral, it's it's we can be much more exploratively together. Let let's explore this. Mm -hmm this situation together and, and figure something out. Right. Ventral is where we're creative, right? We, we can mm. be creative in, in a survival state. We are simply trying to survive, right? And once we return to ventral, then we can reflect on what happened, right? That's where we can be informed by our survival responses. It, you know, we don't want to forget they happened. We want to revisit them and reflect on them, but we can't do it when we're in them. Right. And then mm. in, in ventral, you know, we're, we can be really creative. We're collaborative, we're creative, we're curious, all those things that you need to really, you know, um, build something together and, and, and move in a new direction. Yeah. Right. And I had uh, in my notes here, um, as a potentially as another, another category is, Art and creativity. Now we've just talked about it in the context of ventral, but across the ladder, what's what's the role there? Yeah. So, so I think we truly can't um, we can't be creative unless we are unless we have a critical mass of ventral. Right. I don't have to be fully immersed in it, but I have to have enough ventral regulating me so that I feel safe and can feel um, vulnerable enough to be creative and you know, do all that, mm. um, bring it out into the world. I think art, um, you know, if we, um, viewing art can be, a, 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 again, a lot like music, right? We can really feel our sympathetic and dorsal survival energies when we are looking at certain kinds of art, right? Certain sculptures, certain paintings, and we can, again, be with those survival um, energies in a, in a different way, right? I think, you know, people talk to me sometimes and they say, I don't think, I, I think I create better when I'm, you know, dysregulated. And I say, well, I, I'm not sure that's true. I, I think you have enough, you have a, a toehold in ventral and then you dip into your survival energies and there's the, that lovely you know, integration between energies that then helps you, you know, create in whatever way. You know, I think, you know, mm -hmm. you might think about that in, in business too, that you, you feel you need to, you need enough drive to, yeah. to move forward. And yet we can be alert and productive um, and successful from ventral. But when we move into sympathetic without ventral, we're alarmed and we're um, driven in a different way. And we yeah. can be very driven. We can look really successful, but we suffer as a human, 
right? We, we don't find joy in life. We don't have relationships that nourish us. And that's because we're in survival. You know, we're, the, the belief is if I don't keep doing this, if I don't keep working this hard or, or doing these things, something bad will happen. Whereas in ventral, wow, I am doing these things, you know, because, you know, good things come and it's enjoyable. That's where we want to be. That's when we do good things in the world, when we build good things, when, when our, you know, our employees feel um, safe, feel um, taken care of, feel part of, right? When, when I teach and, and when Steve and I first started, we did an uh, edited book together and we started gathering authors for the book from all sorts of different, you know, ways of working, but they could bring polyvagal in. And we started what Steve called our polyvagal family, right? And now every time I teach, I say, you, you know, you're part of our polyvagal family now, right? You're welcome to the community. That's what I think businesses need to do. They need to create community, right? Yeah. That, that people feel safe and they can trust that they will be um, treated um, with respect, right? And these were all ventral um, qualities, right? So if the, yeah. if the culture is one of regulation, top down, bottom up, both, you know, from CEO down and employees on up, if everybody is working from this understanding of, of the nervous system, then I think it's a very different world that, that we, you know, enter into every day. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating to start to think about diagnosing if you like conditions in business through this lens because right now we'll talk about employees being disengaged and having no satisfaction in what they're doing at work but to think about it in terms of regulation might be a very powerful way of yes yeah yeah of addressing this yeah situation. yeah because what, what we're really saying if, if we're we're labeling someone as disengaged what we're what we're saying in a nervous system level is their nervous system is neurocepting more danger than safety Right? right, and so they cannot come into a place of of engagement and cooperation and and collaboration. They're they're biologically unable. You know, in the therapy world, whenever a client is struggling or the therapy stalls, we we always look here. Right, it's not my client's job to make it safe enough to engage in therapy. It's my job. So in the business yeah. world, I would encourage the same. You know, look look in your own and say, what, what am I not doing or what can I do differently to make it safe enough for my, you know, my employees to engage, to show up, to be a part of, right? Yeah. 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 Um, mindfulness and grounding. Um, yeah. Where does, where does that play its role here? Yeah. It's interesting because, um, the research on meditation is profound, right? It, 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 you know, brings us physical and psychological well-being. And yet meditation is very challenging for many, many people, right? Coming into extended periods of mindfulness can be really challenging for a nervous system. So, you know, I like to talk about mindful moments, right? Because right. we want, we want awareness. We want to bring perception and awareness to what's happening in our nervous system. So that kind of awareness, yes. And then mindful moments, moments when I'm really, you know, sitting, taking in, being present, but I'm not feeling the demand to make it into a long practice. Right. right. And I think that again is, is the, you know, the question we're always asking, you know, short practice, long practice, 
um, dipping in, sitting for a half hour, what works for your nervous system, right? I love to tell people there's no right or wrong way. There's just the way of your nervous system. And when you remember that, you follow your nervous system, it takes you exactly where you need to go. It's fascinating. I'm just relating it to my own experience with meditation. So for, for, for decades, I try meditation. I can never get a practice. But with, um, you know, over the last sort of probably five to six years, I've had some major breakthroughs in terms of dealing with my own, resolving my own underlying trauma. And and now I've got a meditation practice, which was just impossible. Yeah, I, I could maybe, like a minute was hard, right, you know, right. 15 years ago. I, yeah, if I managed a minute of meditation, that was a major right, achievement. But right, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. My nervous system just wasn't ready to try and right. do 20 minutes. It, it, felt, it felt to the nervous system that that was a cue of danger. Because when we begin to get quiet, when we begin to come mm. into stillness, it opens the door for everything that's underneath to, to be felt, to be heard to be seen right and and if all of that underneath is is scary why would the nervous system let you sit right yeah what, you know and now that you've done a lot of your own work it, you know the scary stuff is not sitting there waiting to overtake you and you can have a meditation practice right so you did it in the right order you took care of that and now you can sit that's beautiful yeah 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 that makes as so often happens on this podcast, you end up learning stuff. You're like, oh, man, I wish I'd known that 20 years ago. But, right, so. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I know. I say that a lot. I say, oh, I wish I'd known this back then. I would have done something differently. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. apologize to my kids all the time. It's like, I didn't know back then what I know now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Connection, connection rituals is another thing I've made made a note of. Yeah, what what's what's the role of of ritual? You know, ritual is is a because what I would say is the nervous system loves predictability, right? When things mm. are predictable, we can count on them. It it just it adds a layer of safety, and so ritual is is a way of bringing that predictability in. And again, we create our own rituals, right? Because what works for you may be not work for me. I have a, a Sunday morning um, Zoom conversation that I've had with a, a friend for years now, right? It's, it's a ritual I count on. Wherever we are in the world, doesn't matter. We, we you know, time zone doesn't matter. We find a made, way to make it work. And that's a ritual for me. I have a morning message with um, my two daughters um, where we just send a, a quick good morning back and forth. It's a ritual I count on. Right, you yeah. know. So I imagine you have a ritual in your world that you that you come on. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, in terms of connection rituals, yes. I mean, every every Monday I take my boys. To, I walk my boys to school. Oh. Every Thursday I also do that. Right. I, yeah. I, we cycle or we or we walk. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. So there is a yeah. But yes, you're absolutely right. There's something to be said about systematizing it yeah. and having it be a regular. Right. Yes. Yeah. The fact that I know it's my turn is Monday and Thursday and they're blocked out in the diary and sort of my universe shifts around right. those. Right. I take my kids swimming every Saturday. Right? Love it. So, so, and it's yeah. bringing awareness and attention to those, right? So they're not, they don't, it's not mm. that they just happen, but we, we then really celebrate that we, they happen. We savor that makes the ritual, you know, really, um, brings it into awareness and, and makes it a, a stronger experience for us. Yeah, and I'm also thinking of the the famous the Whole Foods that 
in the helpful is that they start their meetings with this check-in ritual where everybody gets a minute, you know, what's going on, what's on your mind, let's check in. Yeah. Um, and and as I've mentioned on this podcast before, a friend of mine who runs a, a business on the hour, every hour, they play classical music in the office for a minute and it's an invitation for everybody to meditate for a minute. Interesting. Uh, but uh, again, rit- ritualizing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would be curious, I'd be curious, ask your friend, I'd be curious if he polled his employees, how many of them find that inviting and how many of them find that um, off-putting. Annoying. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, you know, because for me, I'd love it. I love classical music. Other people would be, can we not have a variety of music? Right. Right. You know, because some nervous systems are going, no, thank you. <laughs> I d- Again, it's when we start looking at individual nervous systems, we have to start thinking, how do we invite every nervous system in? And that's really hard to do. That's hard yeah. to do. Right. Well, I guess that's the challenge of a, of a, of a connection ritual with multiple human beings. Yes. How do you have it work for it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Everyone, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But nonetheless, I can still see the value of absolutely, yeah, having it. And maybe there's a case for it looking and feeling different mm-hmm. yeah, each time, depending on exactly what's going on yeah. for the group. Yeah, I mean, maybe Mondays is classical and Tuesdays is folk and Wednesdays, I don't know. I mean, it's just interesting to be, and yeah. I say this because I have often been the nervous system that has felt like I'm a misfit. Right. right. And and if you've had that experience of being in a group where everybody looked like they were enjoying something and your nervous system went, oh, I, I, no, thank you, you feel like a misfit. If there's not room for the people who don't want to be in the big group dancing or, you know, everybody, you know, sharing a, a, a memory or whatever it is, right? There has to be room for the nervous system that says, not today, thank you. Right. And not feel like you're a misfit, not feel like they're, you're broken. There's something wrong with you. So that's why when we, you know, think about the nervous system, we want to think, how do we make room for every nervous system? Yeah. And I'm just thinking it might not be that we can just ask someone, Hey, what would be the ritual or the, or the, the, the setup of this particular interaction mm-hmm. that's going to have you feel safe or mm-hmm. help you step up the ladder in this context mm-hmm. we, we we can't just ask people can we right sometimes well, it, it, maybe some, sometimes we can i mean we can we can try something out and say so you know just you know did that feel welcoming or or was that a warning mm-hmm. on a biological level not not your brain but you know in your body did you feel like oh this i like this or no thanks Right, you can make it really simple, and you begin to get right. Really simple, yeah. Get a reading on it, and you know, I often, you know, offer a bunch of different things. Like I, I will show a bunch of different images and say, which ones were you drawn towards, and which ones did you want to get away from? Because you're helping people begin to know their nervous system, and be able to tell you what's happening for them. So I think it's a yeah. nice way to to kind of begin to befriend. I call it befriending, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and having that range of options. I'm thinking of, in terms of my professional experience of working with groups, and there was one group I was working with over time, and there was one individual in this group, no matter how interactive we, I attempted to design the sessions, she, she just wouldn't engage. Even if it was simple as writing something on a post-it and mm-hmm. it on a wall without asking her to speak, she still 
would not engage in anything. And then we tried using Lego Serious Play, where you have people build mm. Lego models to express themselves. And, and she completely came alive in this session and, and nothing else. But I, and in, in, the, in the terms of we're seeing it now, I can see that for all of those sessions, she was like, yeah, dorsal dominant. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. there was just something about that mode of expression right. that, that one, had her get right. a little bit of that one wel felt welcoming to her nervous system mm. and the others mm. felt like a warning. Right. 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 So you shifted the safety danger. It's always an equation. The cues of safety have to outweigh the cues of danger. And then we move forward and engage. But when the cues of danger outweigh the cues of safety, we move into survival. Right. And so whatever yeah. you did with the Lego, it shifted that safety danger equation for her system. Yeah. 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 But if I had said to her, hey, I notice you're not really kind of engaging in these sessions. D do you, what, what do you think we should do? I, I don't imagine she has said, well, let's start playing with Lego, right? So no, there's probably not. It's a role for experimenting with, yeah. as you're saying, like whether it's with different pictures or yeah. different techniques, it's, it's how to provide that. Yes. And, ability, that yeah, choice. And, and, and to, you know, for you, you're saying you were trying really hard to make the sessions interactive, you know, name that up front and naming mm. that we're going to try a different, a whole bunch of different things because not everybody will respond to any of them. So yep. putting it out there that the expectation is some people are going to like this and not like this. And that's normal. Right. right. We, we notice, we name, we normalize, and then we have a better shot at, at people, you know, being able to engage. So, I, yeah, even that just framing of it says to people, oh, okay, it's safe to not join in here or not say anything or not be interactive, right? Mm -hmm. Or not respond to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's not, it's safe. It's normal. Right. And you can use some of your own. I always use my own experience and say, so for instance, you know, here's an experience where everybody else in the room looked like they're having a really good time. And I was trying to get out the door because it felt so unsafe to my system. Right. Yeah. To say, it happens to all of us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The question I had, again, as relates to my own experience with this is I, you know, having read this book, I mean, I, related with being in dorsal a lot yeah. and, and and interestingly one of the things you you wrote in the book which i which I, which really resonated was that when we're in dorsal we can't hear mm. human voices right we're, we're 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 primed to listen for sounds of threat and then we actually tune out of human voices and i was diagnosed deaf as a kid really because and then they took me to the yeah. specialist and they did all the tuning fork thing and the, the, the specialist like, no, no, this guy, this kid can hear fine. Yeah. And I suspect it was because I was so shut down. I just, yeah. I literally couldn't hear the teacher's voices and, right. you know, or weren't able to tune into them. Right. And yet I was really sociable as a kid, right? I had tons of friends. I, I never had a problem socially. So it, what, what I was kind of left with was interesting was that I seemed to somehow be moving between mm -hmm. dorsal and ventral yeah. and yeah yeah but, I, I could quite make sense of it i wasn't like permanently shut down as a kid right but i definitely related to being a shut down kid somehow well you know i, I and i i too was like that i you know i call it our home away from home one of the survival states is where we go most often when our system feels under threat and that's your home away from home so my home away from home also was dorsal 
which doesn't mean I was always there, but it meant when it felt like it was a dangerous world to my nervous system, I went to dorsal, which sounds like what you did. And then when it felt like Mm -hmm. it was safe enough to come out and play, you were social and engaged and and had lots of friends and and moved through the world from that place, right? But if you went back and thought about the the moments when you couldn't hear, when the not taking in with the teachers, and we went back and identified what are all the cues of danger, you'd probably begin to get an idea of oh, here's what was going on, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that would. Yeah, that would make sense. There were just certain cluster of cues, yep. which yep. flipped me into that state. And yeah. then, and once we start doing that, it's easier for us to do that over and over, right? We we lean more towards oh, here's that cue that that has regularly taken me to dorsal. I hear the cue. I'm just going there now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that would that that would make sense. Um, that would that would yeah, that would make. I, lo- sense. I love your experience though about going to the you know the the specialist who said he can hear perfectly well. Right. And then, yeah, and that, that was the, I'm sorry. I just yeah. lost my train of thought. My, my other thought was, and then of course, what happened to me as a kid, oh, he's the kid who doesn't concentrate. Exactly. He can't, you know, exactly. and I was kind of shamed for it. He's always checking out. He's on exactly. cuckoo land. Exactly. And I sort of integrated as my identity as that was, I suppose, my defense was, yeah, okay, I'm a bit of a dreamer. I kind of, that's kind of who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just sort of somehow managed to accommodate it. Yes. But I can now see that through this, yeah, if people, if my teachers would understand all of this theory, it might have been very different. Right, they they could figure out. So I wonder what the cues of danger are that we could reduce, and what are the cues of safety we could bring in so that he could actually, you know, hear. Right, he could actually take in information. I love that you went to. I'm a dreamer, rather than you know, I'm I'm stupid or don't care. Right, that's beautiful. Right, that's yeah. beautiful because that's where often kids go. Right, I'm too stupid. You know, I'm and you know, I don't. I just don't care. I love that you went to I'm a dreamer. That's beautiful. Yeah, maybe that was good. A lot better than yep. yeah, yeah. Because I didn't yeah, it didn't cause me self esteem issues. Love it. Um, it definitely caused me other issues, right? Because I I literally <laughs> couldn't hear the teacher half the time. But right. yeah, <laughs> yes. But now I understand why I couldn't hear. It. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. Brilliant. Okay, there's so much on my mind, but I, talking about um, connection rituals, I picked the boys. You have to Monday. go. Yes, so, <laughs> it's my turn. It's your turn. So, it's important. Yeah, yeah. Deb, thank you so much. This has been, you know, fantastic. Um, <laughs> and uh, and 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 thank you for you know really working with me to relate this to you know, other contexts outside of obviously where you work most of the time, which is with other therapists. So. Mm, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I love that you're taking it into the, the business world. I think it, it belongs in all, I think every human needs to understand this because it will change how we navigate the world. So thank you for, for the work you're doing. No, no, thank you. Yeah. I imagine the team leaders out there and the managers and the mm. Executive, yes, yeah, equipped with this could be amazing, yeah, amazing, very differently and be much more effective because this is all about building better relationships, having people will be more creative, having people make bigger contributions. It's all in service of absolutely what 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 people in business, you know, yeah. are, are committed to, absolutely, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Okay, um, 
so we'll we'll put links to your um you know to, to your books um where where else w- might um, you send people who want to go further with my website rhythmofregulation.com and and we're doing a a redesign but you can still go to the website now and and have the old design kind yeah. of i don't know it's it's interesting to to redesign isn't it and see what mm. what, what represents me now so we're, stay tuned to that but at the moment you can come and and uh, lots of resources and, and materials there yeah rhythmofregulation.com yeah fantastic yeah put that out beautiful okay All well right. thanks once again to have this has been awesome it's been really fun. appreciate your time all right thank you bye-bye bye the being human podcast was brought to you by first human for more on first humans human focused coaching and leadership programs head to firsthuman.com